0: The Foggy Jack Network, and A Demon's Desire podcast proudly presents, Bram Stoker's Dracula. You're listening to a Foggy Jack podcast production. For more shows like this, please follow at Foggy Jack 13 on any social media platform. Please enjoy the show. Bram Stoker. 1897 edition. Chapter 1. Jonathan Harker's journal. The 3rd of May. b left Munich at 8.35 p.m. on 1st May, arriving at Vienna early next morning, should have arrived at 6.46, but train was an hour late. Budapest seems a wonderful place, from the glimpse, which I got a bit from the train and the little I could walk through. The streets. I feared to go very far from the station, as we had arrived late and would start as near the correct time as possible. The impression I had was that we were leaving the west and entering there east, the most western of splendid bridges over the Danube, which is here of noble width and depth, took us among the traditions of Turkish rule. We left in pretty good time, and came after nightfall to Clausenburg. Here I stopped for the night at the Hotel Royal. I had for dinner, or rather supper, a chicken done up some way with red pepper, which was very good but thirsty. Get recipe from Mina, I asked their waiter, and he said it was called paprika hendl, and that, as it was, A national dish, I should be able to get it anywhere along there. Carpathians. I found my smattering of German very useful here, indeed, I don't know. How I should be able to get on without it. Having had some time at my disposal when in London, I had visited their British Museum, and made search among the books and maps in their Library regarding Transylvania, it had struck me that some foreknowledge of the country could hardly fail to have some importance in dealing with a nobleman of that country. I find that the district he named is in the extreme east of their country, just on the borders of three states, Transylvania, Moldavia and Kovina, in the midst of the Carpathian Mountains, one of their wildest and least known portions of Europe. I was not able to light on any map or work, giving the exact locality of the castle Dracula, as there are no maps of this country as yet to compare with our own ordnance Survey maps, but I found that Bistrets, the post town named by Count Dracula, is a fairly well known place. I shall enter here some of my notes, as they may refresh my memory when I talk over my travels with Mina. In the population of Transylvania there are four distinct nationalities, Saxons in the south, and mixed with them the Wallachs, who are the descendants of the Dacians; Magyars in the west, and Szykles in the east and north. I am going among the latter, who claim to be descended from Atla and the Huns. This may be so, for When the Magyars conquered the country in the 11th century they found the Huns settled in it. I read that every known superstition in the world is gathered into the horseshoe of the Carpathians, as if it were the center of some sort of imaginative whirlpool, if so my stay may be very interesting. Mm. I must ask the Count all about them. I did not sleep well, though my bed was comfortable enough, for I had All sorts of queer dreams. There was a dog howling all night under my window, which may have had something to do with it, or it may have been the paprika, for I had to drink up all the water in my carafe, and was still thirsty. Towards morning I slept and was wakened by the continuous knocking at my door, so I guess I must have been sleeping. Soundly then, I had for breakfast more paprika, and a sort of porridge of maize. Flour which they said was momoliga, and eggplant stuffed with. Force meat, a very excellent dish, which they call empletata. Get recipe for this also. I had to hurry breakfast, for the train started a little before 8. Or rather it ought to have done so, for after rushing to the station, At 7.30 I had to sit in the carriage for more than an hour before we began to move. It seems to me that the further east you go the more unpunctual are the trains. What ought they to be in China? All day long we seemed to dawdle through a country which was full of beauty of every kind. Sometimes we saw little towns or castles on there top of steep hills such as we see in old missiles. sometimes we ran by rivers and streams which seemed from the wide stony margin on each side of them to be subject to great floods. It takes a lot of water and running strong to sweep the outside edge of the river clear. At every station there were groups of people, sometimes crowds, and in all sorts of attire. Some of them were just like the peasants at home. Or those I saw coming through France and Germany, with short jackets. And round hats, and homemade trousers, but others were very picturesque. The women looked pretty, except when you got near them, but they were very clumsy about the waist. They had all full white sleeves of some kind or other, and most of them had big belts with a lot of strips of something fluttering from them like the dresses in a ballet, but of course there were petticoats under them. The strangest figures we saw were the Slovaks, who were more barbarian than the rest, with their big cowboy hats, great baggy dirty white trousers, white linen shirts, and enormous heavy leather belts, nearly a foot wide, all studded over with brass nails. They wore high boots, with their trousers tucked into them, and had long black hair and heavy black moustaches. They are very picturesque, but do not look prepossessing. On the stage they would be set down at once as some old oriental band of brigands. They are, however, I am told, very Harmless and rather wanting in natural self-assertion. It was on the dark side of twilight when we got to Beestritz, which is a very interesting old place, being practically on the frontier for the Borgo Pass leads from it into Bkovinu. It has had a very stormy existence, and it certainly shows marks of it 50 years ago. Series of great fires took place, which made terrible havoc on five separate occasions. At the very beginning of the 17th century, it underwent a siege of three weeks and lost 13,000 people there. Casualties of war proper being assisted by famine and disease. Count Dracula had directed me to go to the Golden Krona Hotel, which I found, to my great delight. To be thoroughly old-fashioned, for of course I wanted to see all I could of the ways of the country. I was evidently expected, for when I got near the door I faced a cheery-looking elderly woman in the usual peasant dress white, undergarment with a long double apron, front and back, of colored stuff fitting almost too tight for modesty. When I came close she bowed and said, the hair Englishman? Yes, I said, Jonathan Harker. She smiled, and gave some message to an elderly man in white shirt sleeves, who had followed her to the door. He went, but immediately returned with a letter. My friend. Welcome to the Carpathians. I am anxiously expecting you sleep well tonight. At three tomorrow the diligence will. Start for Covina a place on it is kept for you at the Borgo pass my carriage will await you and will bring you to me I trust that your journey from London has been a happy one and that you will enjoy your stay in my beautiful land. your friend Dracula for may I found that my landlord had got a letter from the count directing him to secure best place on the coach for me but on making inquiries as to details he seemed somewhat reticent, and pretended that he could not understand my German. This could not be true, because up to then he had understood it perfectly, at least, he answered my questions exactly as if he did. He and his wife, the old lady who had received me, looked at each other in a frightened sort of way. He mumbled out that the money had been sent in a letter, and that was all he knew. When I asked him if he knew Count Dracula, and could tell me anything of his castle, both he and his wife crossed themselves, and, saying that they knew nothing at all, simply refused to speak further. It was so near the time of starting that I had no time to ask anyone else, for it was all very mysterious and not by any means comforting. Just before I was leaving, the old lady came up to my room and said in a hysterical way, must you go? Oh, young hare, must you go? She was in such an excited state that she seemed to have lost her grip of what German she knew, and mixed it all up with some other language, which I did not know at all. I was just able to follow her by asking, many questions. When I told her that I must go at once, and that I was engaged on important business, she asked again. Do you know what day it is? I answered that it was the 4th of May. She shook her head as she said again. Oh, yes. I know that. I know that, but do you know what day it is? On my saying that I did not understand, she went on. It is the eve of St. George's day. Do you not know that tonight, when the clock strikes midnight, all the evil things in the world will have full sway? Do you know where you are going, and what you are going to? She was in such evident distress that I tried to comfort her, but without effect. Finally, she went down on her knees and implored me not to go at least to wait a day or two before starting. It was all very ridiculous but I did not feel comfortable. However, there was business to be done, and I could allow nothing to interfere with it. I tried to raise her up, and said, as gravely as I could, that I thanked her, but my duty was imperative, and that I must go. She then rose and dried her eyes, and taking a crucifix from her neck, offered it to me. I did not know what to do, for, as an English churchman, I have been taught to regard such things as in some measure idolatrous, and yet it seemed so ungracious to refuse an old lady meaning so well and in such a state of mind. She saw, I suppose, the doubt in my face, for she put the rosary round my neck and said, for your mother's sake, and went out of the room. I am writing up this part of the diary whilst I am waiting for the coach, which is, of course, late, and the crucifix is still round my neck. Whether it is the old lady's fear or the many ghostly traditions of this place, or the crucifix itself, I do not know, but I am not feeling nearly as easy in my mind as usual if this book should ever reach Mina before I do let it bring my goodbye here comes the coach the 5th of May the castle dot the gray of the morning has passed and the sun is high over the distant horizon which seems jagged whether with trees or hills I know not for it is so far off that big things and... Little are mixed. I am not sleepy, and, as I am not to be called till I awake, naturally. I write till sleep comes. There are many odd things to put down, and, lest who reads them, may. Fancy that I dined too well before I left Bistritz, let me put down my dinner exactly. I dined on what they called robber steak bits of bacon, onion, and beef, seasoned with red pepper, and strung on sticks, and roasted over. The fire, in simple style of the London cat's meat. The wine was golden meat which produces a queer sting on their tongue, which is, however, not disagreeable. I had only a couple of glasses of this, and nothing else. When I got on the coach, the driver had not taken his seat, and I saw him talking to the landlady. They were evidently talking at me, for every now and then they looked at me, and some of the people who were sitting on the bench outside. The door came and listened, and then looked at me, most of them pityingly. I could hear a lot of words often repeated, queer words. For there were many nationalities in the crowd, so I quietly got my polyglot dictionary from my bag and looked them out. I must say they were not cheering to me, for amongst them were Ordog Satan, Hell, Stegoica Witch, Vrolog, and Vlkozlik both mean the same thing, one being Slovak and the other Servian for something that is either werewolf or vampire. Mum, I must ask the count about these superstitions. When we started, the crowd round the inn door, which had by this time swelled to a considerable size, all made the sign of the cross and pointed two fingers towards me. With some difficulty, I got a fellow passenger to tell me what they meant. He would not answer at first, but on learning that I was English, he explained that it was a charm or guard against the evil. I This was not very pleasant for me, just starting for an unknown place. meet an unknown man. But everyone seemed so kind-hearted, and so sorrowful, and so sympathetic that I could not but be touched. I shall never forget the last glimpse which I had of the yard and its crowd of picturesque figures, all crossing themselves, as they stood round the wide archway, with its background of rich foliage of Oleander and orange trees and green tubs clustered in the center of their yard. Then our driver, whose wide linen drawers covered the whole front of the box seat, comma, got so they call them, cracked his big whip over his four small horses, which ran abreast, and we set off on our journey. I soon lost sight and recollection of ghostly fears in the beauty of the scene as we drove along. Although had I known the language, or, rather languages, which my fellow passengers were speaking, I might not have been able to throw them off so easily, before a slayer green, sloping land full of forests and woods, with here and the steep hills, crowned with clumps of trees or with farmhouses, the blank gable end to the road. There was everywhere a bewildering mass of fruit blossom, apple, plum, pear, cherry. And as we drove by I could see the green grass under the trees spangled with the fallen petals. In and out amongst these green hills of what they call here the Mittell land ran the road, losing itself as it swept round the grassy curve, or was shut out by the straggling ends of pine woods, which here and there and down the hillsides like tongues of flame. The road was rugged, but still we seemed to fly over it with a feverish haste. I could not understand then what the haste meant, but the driver was evidently bent on losing no time in reaching Borgo Prand. I was told that this road is in summertime excellent, but that it had not yet been put in order after the winter snows. In this respect it is different from the general run of roads in the Carpathians, for it is an old tradition that they are not to be kept in too good order of all the hospitals would not repair them, lest the Turks should think that they were preparing to bring in foreign troops, and so hasten their war which was always really at loading point.